This is Coach Chris Holtman. You're listening to Drive the Lane Podcast. Welcome back to Drive the Lane Oregon Week for the Ohio State football Buckeyes. And we have a huge preview. We talked to our best friend, Bill Landis of The Athletic and James Crepia, who covers Oregon for the Oregonian, which is in Oregon, and he is on Fox Sports Eugene. A couple of great interviews. The Buckeyes are 1-0. Joey, we pointed this out the other day. Undefeated in the regular season since we started Drive the Lane. How about that? How about that? I think bigger news is that no one should ever listen to you with gambling advice. I think that's how we should start the show. Sorry, not to. No, I, I think that's fair. But I do have the Zolden parlay this weekend, which is Ohio <laughs> State, Mizzou, Browns, all money line. So that that is take it with – do not take it. But I'm taking it because it's my three teams. But Mizzou is not favored. And neither are the Browns. They're both <laughs> playing road games. The Browns are playing the Chiefs, but it's a big payout. It's like plus 900, 25 to win 280. So I am taking the Zolden parlay, but that's not why we're here. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Not to derail the show. Yes, it's very, very impressive that we uh, are the reason why Ohio State has not lost a regular season game. Uh, you know, drive the lane. We've been around for three years, feels like 300 years. Um, and I mean, the Buckeyes have us to thank is this the short end of it. I mean, without us, thousands wouldn't be employed. Fans wouldn't be as happy. I mean, the list goes on and on. All right, I'm going to ask you two questions from the first game. Then we'll talk a little Oregon. Then we'll get to our interviews. You ready? Sir, let's talk a lot about Oregon. We know a lot about Oregon. We do know a lot about Oregon. First question, what was your favorite play from Ohio State's opening win against Minnesota? Um, so I watched um, for like a little bit with some buddies – and when they scored the first touch on the run to the right side by Mayan Williams, like that was uh, like full on chills. Cause like, you're like, damn, like Ohio state football is, is really bad. Like there's fans in the stands. They're sad. People painted their face for that game. Like Minnesota was all riled up. It was raining. It was just like football, you know, like that, that was, and I'm, and I've gone on record. I'm not the biggest football fan in the, Ohio, in the whole world, whatever. Right. But I love me some Ohio state football that I it will never waver. And that moment was like, damn, like it's back. Like we got some good months of Ohio State football, you know, and it started with that long touchdown. And I was like, not only that, they're going to dominate this game. They didn't the whole way, but it was exciting. I assume you picked that play because, you know, it, it was safe to say that we had a silent agreement that you couldn't pick the Haskell Garrett scoop and score because that was the greatest play to watch ever. So fun. Did you know that Haskell Garrett got shot in the face? <laughs> Gus Johnson, man, we got to get him on. <laughs> he goes, just a year ago, this young man was shot in the face. Yeah. We got we to get Gus on somehow. I um, When Gus Johnson called one of our games in college, he took a picture with all the managers, and he took a video with them when uh, – and he said uh, – and he, Gus Johnson's in the middle, and there's 14 managers around. He's got his arms over, and he goes – he goes, you got barbecue back there, and you didn't invite me? And then all the managers go, hurt my feelings. <laughs> Very cool video. Um, but I went up to Gus because one of the assistant coaches introduced me to him because they were like, hey, Gus, this, is, this guy's a big fan of yours. And he was like, I appreciate what I was. It was just cool. It was like a little passing by. I just got to talk, talk shop with Gus for a second. So, But, yeah, we do need to have him on. But Ohio State football, obviously, my favorite play, your favorite play, great overall thoughts we we talked with bill landis about it but what were your overall thoughts from from game one overall thoughts were not used to playing a team like minnesota week one usually it's the akron's the tulsa's which is coming up here pretty soon but it was a little weird i, I love good week one football just gets you more excited no need to see the blowouts except alabama blow, blew out miami but it was supposed to be a good game you know, I, 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 I felt weird because it's weird that it wasn't a blowout to start the season. So that was my feeling. But then I think Stroud, that was so big that he bounced back in the second half, had a big second half. If he can beat Oregon and then beat up, you know, the Tulsa's and the Akron's, he's going to be feeling real good heading into the meaty Big Ten schedule. What were your thoughts? 
Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Number one, like it's, and we talk about this with Bill Annis, of course, again, but it's not fair to um, look at this as like a normal season opening game that we're used to where the Buckeyes just roll from, from minute one from the jump. Right. So, but you know, CJ Stroud is a red shirt freshman. He's exactly what he is. He's a stud, but he's got no experience and he's learning every single play out there. Right. I mean, like I was very impressed. Like, I think his second half was incredible. Like you said, it was great to see him kind of catch his stride. I mean, he threw five passes in the second half. Four of them were touchdowns. Like, I mean, that's – or he completed five and four of them were touchdowns. Whatever it was, either way, it's a remarkable stat. Um, so, I mean, I just think that that is massive uh, for his development and, like, some momentum going into Oregon. I think that, you know, we and again, we talk about this with Bill Landis. We talk about this with with – the Oregonian Oregonian um, <laughs> with Chris as well. But I, I just think that James, James, uh, J- James as well. His last name is whatever. I, oh, it's, yeah. late. it's it's really, really late right now. If you guys can't tell, but um, yeah, I, I think that Oregon will be a great test for him. I think that they're probably one of, if not the toughest games that we'll play all regular season. And uh, I just am excited to hopefully fingers crossed be in the shoe for that game is really all that I care about. I'll, I'm going to say this too. I saw a lot of this on Twitter. Ryan Day, great coach. Got, we got to get some rhythm. Let's get like one running back that plays like exclusively the first few series. You know, I don't like mixing it up and everybody touching it. Like Master Teague, he's bald. He's bald. We, people forget. People forget. But I mean, between mine, Williams, Travion Henderson, I don't know how many carries Master Teague gets the rest of the year. Yeah, those two guys are electric. But it's nice to have a guy like, you know, a little thunder and lightning action. Not that those guys aren't thunder. They are also thunder. But, like, who's stopping Master Teague from getting two yards? No one, you know? And there's something to be said about that. Like, so, so yeah, I mean, like, we could talk about the Oregon game. We're not going to sit here and pretend like we're experts. We'll leave that to James um, to, to dive into the Oregon game. Uh, you'll see that some of the questions we asked – we're very naive and ignorant questions because we just don't know any better um, about this Oregon team. We haven't done our research. Um, well, we're, I, not, we're not players or coaches, so we don't have to do our Oregon research. Exactly, exactly. So, um, but stick around. You'll learn something about Ohio State. You'll learn something about Oregon, uh, and you'll be prepared going into the game. More, we left that interview more prepared than we were going into it. So that's for sure. It's like when you leave a basketball gym, you leave it cleaner than you found it, right? Yeah, that's not a good analogy, but that is correct. <laughs> that is correct. All right, let's get to our interviews. All right, making his return to drive the lane from the athletic, Bill Landis. Bill, welcome back to the show. Have I surpassed Urban Meyer yet? Have I been on more of this show more than Urban has? I think you have. <laughs> He's only been on five times, and this is your eighth. So That sounds right to me. I'm not good at math, but that checks out. I was going to say it would have been cooler to say, like, yeah, you've been on twice as many times as Urban, because then no one has to know that it's one, two, you know? That's right. Me and Nick Saban went in twice as much as Urban. Yeah, exactly. Literally, exactly. But uh, obviously, we're here to talk Ohio State football. Um, No better guy to do it with. And man, was that a fun game on Thursday night, I guess, right? Like <laughs> that outcome definitely wasn't inevitable. Uh, I feel like I've seen that game happen once or twice where it's, it's halftime and everyone's freaking out. And then the second half Ohio state remembers that it has better players and then wins wins. What I thought was, was fairly comfortably. I don't know. I never thought Ohio state was really in jeopardy of losing that game, even though they were trailing, I guess, in the second half. Just in jeopardy of covering, which when you had 14 and a half, like some fools did. Ooh. Um, just in jeopardy of covering, but I saw one insane stat and you might know the exact stat, but like whenever Ohio state's been trailing at halftime in a big 10 game under Ryan day, the second half they've outscored to their opponents, something like 71 to 13. Does that ring a bell? Uh, I, I don't know that one for certain off my head, but that sounds right. And it's happened a few times um, under Ryan day. Like I said, I feel like I've seen that game play out about a dozen times since I've been covering the team. So, yeah, that that checks out sort of anecdotally for me. I feel like Ohio State, uh, you know, I guess unfortunately for Ohio State fans who were pulling their hair out in the first half kind of has a, a, a knack for doing stuff like that. I put a big bet on Ohio State first half, and it was and it was looking good. And then it was looking real bad. And I got it. I like tweeted it out and I got a text from some 
friends and family that were like, dude, what the hell? I put like 150 bucks on your bet that you said it was. <laughs> I was like, we'll get him next week. Don't worry about it. I, I got a take for you. I want to hear what you think. All right. You ready? Yep. <laughs> I feel more comfortable with Ryan Day as the head coach than I did with Urban Meyer. What do you think of that? Uh, I think it's a fair take uh, considering how the last couple of years of Urban's tenure went, right? Because I, I think once once really that Iowa game happened, and I suppose there was only like a, a season and a half of Urban after that, but but I think Ohio State fans were just kind of waiting for the landmine to come after that game. And I don't know if they feel that way under Ryan Day. Maybe somewhere in the dark recesses of their brain, just as Ohio State fans, they always think that's going to happen. But, but I think that's less prevalent with Ryan Day as the head coach. It's not to say that he's never going to get a loss like that. He might, um, but but I get where it's coming from. I do think something about Ryan Day just kind of leads you to believe that that Ohio State will kind of won't 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 suffer a loss in that. Like won't won't suffer a loss that comes out of nowhere. They'll lose to more talented teams. They have lost to more talented teams than Ryan Day. But I don't think they're ever going to be unprepared in a way that they're going to lose to a team where they have such a, a dramatic talent advantage over. So kind of going off that, um, you mentioned the fans. We have such a weird fan base at Ohio State where, you know, they expect so much, but at the same time, at the drop of a hat, they flip the script and they think the sky is falling. As maybe someone who has some, more of an outside perspective and also maybe a natural, not a natural Ohio State fan, like I was born into Ohio State fandom, so was Andrew. Um, do you think find Ohio State fans like really, really annoying on social media? <laughs> I no, I, I don't. Uh, first of all, if I did, I don't think I'd say so because I have a job because of them. But, but no, no, I don't. I, I think it's mostly normal fan behavior. Now, some of it gets gets out of bounds. Like, like of course, Quinn Ewers is trending during the first half of the Ohio State Minnesota <laughs> game when Quinn Ewers is sitting in his uh, Rick Riker truck somewhere in Columbus, so not not even at the game in Minneapolis. Um, like, I get it. Um, I, I do think Ohio State loses so infrequently and frankly like even trails and games so infrequently that whenever it happens people maybe tend to panic a little more but no I uh I very much enjoy the the passion of Ohio State fans because it helped pay for my house so let's let's sorry Andrew I know you have a question but go we, let's talk quarterbacks now that, now that you mentioned it um is this the most human quarterback Ohio State has had in recent memory <laughs> that's a good, way, look, to, that's a good way to put it human. did he look the most human yeah he looked he looked like a freshman which i like it doesn't happen i guess here that often i will say i i went back earlier today and i watched justin field's first game against florida atlantic just to kind of see how i would feel just i, I just watched the cut up of his highlights like i think it was might have been every throw that he had and all of his rushes in that game just to see how i felt coming out of it and i watched it and i was like okay like he wasn't perfect in that game either and florida florida atlantic is not as good as 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 minnesota florida atlantic was okay that year but it's not it's not as good as this minnesota team was it wasn't on the road in the rain um and justin had played a little bit before at, at georgia so it's not it's not a quite a, a straight line comparison but no no quarterback i think shows up here perfect um i even watched a little bit of Dwayne, and Dwayne missed throws too now now cj missed more throws than you'd expect any ohio state quarterback to miss first game or not you know decent opponent or, or on the road or not uh, he's he's got to make some of those throws that he missed in the first half but uh, I actually liked the way that he kind of came back in the second half and, you know, he wasn't setting the world on fire. He was just making the plays he had to make, but, but even doing that was, was a, a vast improvement from where he was in the first half. So um, I'm not super alarmed about CJ Stroud. I think he won the job against some very talented guys for a reason. And, and I think he'll continue to get better as the year goes on. Let me tell you who he looked better than this weekend. Also looked better than Sam Howell. Uh-huh. Looked better than Spencer Rattler. Looked better than um, I'm blanking Andrew, on Andrew has a Andrew has a bet on CJ Stroud to win the Heisman too. If you can't tell, <laughs> yeah. looked, looked better than um, I'm blanking on Wisconsin's quarterback. But you went to the game. You were jumping around. I Graham Mertz. Yeah, he did yeah. not look good in that game. That looked was bad. Graham Mertz. Yeah, looked, he really looked better than every single like top quarterback besides Jack Cohn looked unbelievable and. Uh, Kenzie Milton, <laughs> Bryce Young, Milton looked good. Bryce Bryce Young looked good. So, I mean, they they played first, so everyone was like, "Oh, he's terrible there," but he he's fine. We we I think we all agree that he's still the favorite to win the the Heisman. For those of you out there who saw my tweet and bet on him, uh, let's move forward. Oregon game. Is this the team that has the best chance to beat Ohio State this year? Oh, that's a good question. Um 
good way of like framing it. I, I would say probably. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have the, the talent composite in front of me to see how Oregon compares to Penn state, but I, I was watching a little bit of Oregon today. Their game was in the pac 12 network. So I can't watch the whole thing. Cause I don't think the pac 12 network is actually a real thing, but there's like plays on YouTube. You can watch. Um, there's some dudes on that team, especially on defense. Like they have two linebackers, Justin Flo and, and Noah Sewell, who's Panay Sewell's younger brother, like are both five-star prospects, both, I think like top 15 players, obviously Kayvon Thibodeau, if, if he plays, he's injured, but if he plays, he might, might actually be the best player in college football. Um, there's some talent outside of receiver uh, with Micah Pittman and Troy Franklin, who didn't play last week, but I think we'll play this week. Like they, there's, there's guys kind of at different spots. There's guys in the secondary, just individual talents that are guys that I think could play for Ohio state, which is not something you can say about, you know, 95% of the teams at Ohio state typically plays in the regular season. So uh, yeah, I think they might have the best shot that they're not great at quarterback. And I do think it's hard to beat Ohio state. If you're not super dynamic, at the quarterback position and, and Oregon comes up a little short there, but there's enough talent there that I, I think this will be the best team that Ohio state plays this year. And by the end of the year, who knows? How, I mean, I, Penn state looked pretty good against Wisconsin, especially defensively. So we'll see what they become. But, but right now I think I would say Oregon's the best team Ohio state's going to play. So is it relevant then that they almost lost to Fresno State? I mean, like Fresno State was winning in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think so. I I, I do think Fresno State's a pretty good um, mid-major team, for lack of a better word. Uh, I think the, they lost Kayvon Thibodeau, Oregon did in that game, and, and that kind of took the air out of their, their defense especially. It was like two different games. Kayvon Thibodeau played the first five drives, I think it was, and there were like two fumbles set up Oregon on a short field. They scored rather easily. Like they could not block him. It was kind of hilarious watching them try to do so. And then he came out of the game, and and it took Oregon a while, I think, to find its footing without its best player, and and credit to Fresno State for kind of taking advantage of that and making it tight and, and having a chance to, to – win the game frankly at the end so yeah I, I don't think I don't think Oregon's a, a world beater I don't think really anyone in Ohio State schedule is a world beater and and the Fresno State game was a good reminder of that but there's a lot of talent on that roster um, and it's one of those games where like if everyone if everyone in Oregon's roster shows up here on Saturday like ready to play the game of their life like they can beat Ohio State and and I don't think that's true of that's true of maybe like two other teams in Ohio State schedule every year Two things I want to say. First one is kind of crazy that Ohio State has an NFL player on their team because Chris Olave should be in the NFL. Second, second thing is, so this is the first game in front of fans in like two years. Mm-hmm. Home, hopefully Oregon is ranked as high as possible to make it cooler. Do you think the game will sell out? <laughs> yeah, isn't it sold out already? Is it not yeah. sold out already? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, I think there will, there will be butts and seats for sure. Let me ask you this, another point of the game. How big of a disadvantage is it that Oregon is playing, uh, you know, a noon game when their body clock is going to say 9 a.m.? Yeah, I, pretty big, I think, right? That just seems pretty unfair to me. I don't – I I selfishly like the noon kicks because it's easier for my life. I can, like, do my job and then go home and watch football that night or do whatever that night. Um, but the idea that you're making Oregon fly from, from the West coast out here to play a game at nine o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning on their body clocks just seems like a pretty large inherent advantage for Ohio state. And I don't know, so there, there've been some other West coast schools that have had to play this early. And I don't, I, I'm not good enough at my job to look up what, what those teams have done in the past to see if it actually matters, but it feels to me like it would matter. They're flying out here a day earlier than they normally would. They're going to be here on Thursday. Um, and I think do like a walkthrough, I'd guess at the shoe on, on Friday, um, some team Hawaii did that a few years ago when they came out here to play. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting. Nine o'clock in the morning is early, for, especially for college kids. You guys know, you guys are younger than me, you know, nine o'clock in the morning might as well be like four 30 in the morning. It's really early. So I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if Oregon maybe is a little flat and Ohio state tries to jump on them early. That was something that we, for, for whatever it's worth in basketball, like if we played a West coast team on the East coast time, like that was something that the coaches mentioned. Like in, I think it's like super, super relevant. It's also straight from Mark Titus who texted me that kind of out of nowhere and was like, dude, we're going to kill Oregon. They're going to be playing at 9 a.m. because he's coming from California and he understands that he's barely going to be awake at 9 a.m. So we'll see. Yeah, no, he was, he was running around Madison last weekend. I mean, maybe, maybe he wasn't quite in shape for the 11 o'clock in the morning kickoff out there. Yeah. I, he's like, it was so funny. I mean, obviously on Twitter, he's getting bashed all day because he's wearing Wisconsin. Obviously, you know, you do anything for the content game and stuff, but it's That's tough right. to then show up the next week to Ohio State. Like, what do, what do people expect? Like, you're just going to forget it. 
I'm not gonna. You just you just do whatever gets that that check cash, man. I don't I don't hate it. Yep, me neither. Speaking of checks, you are verified on Twitter, so I assume you like Ted Lasso. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, I I watched the first season and I liked it. I have not watched any of the second season yet, but I have found myself starting to dislike it for no other reason than everyone else likes it way too much. I'm pretty sure when Twitter verifies you, you're contractually obligated to watch Ted Lasso. So you might be losing the blue check here pretty soon if you don't watch season two. Yeah, I guess I should start watching it and then just start randomly comparing him to other college football coaches where even though the comparisons make no sense. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll get get on that. If you were a college player or a high school player coming out of school, five-star heading to college, would you rather play for Ted Lasso or Dabo Sweeney? Oh, that's that. That's a tough one. Uh, uh, probably Dabo. I would. I think I'd like to win. I think I'd like to win. <laughs> two different, two different sports. Yeah. Too. It depends <laughs> on sport. All right. I I have one final Ohio State question. Okay. I'm not saying, and then I have a bunch of non-Ohio State. I have one final question, <laughs> and it happens to be Ohio State. Who? You can't say Chris Olave. You can't say any of, the, any of the big names. Who's someone that you think could have a big game this weekend against Oregon that Ohio State fans are going to be like, all right, all right, we like this guy now. And I can't say any, like, is, is Trevion Henderson too obvious? No, you can say him. Okay, that's Trevion Henderson. Like Actually, he, you can't. Actually, you can't. He's very he's very obvious, but he had like three touches and 85 yards. So yeah. he's my he's my real answer. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, maybe. I, I, think, I think that... Oregon nobody can cover Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson so I don't want this to come off the wrong way but I think that Oregon has like good enough personnel that they can divert attention to both those guys and have us have some kind of impact which could open things up for Jackson Smith and Jake because I don't think you can cover all three of those guys consistently for the entire game and and we've seen before like the slot receiver in Ohio State's offense historically has gotten a ton of touches that that wasn't the case for Jackson last week and I don't think it's going to be the case for him season long because Garrett and Chris are so good but in this particular game I could see Jackson maybe getting an outsized portion of the targets maybe compared to what people would expect from him and he's certainly a good enough playmaker to make some highlights when he does so obviously it's going to take um, a lot of those guys for Ohio State to have the year that they want to two-fold question to end it from my end number one where does Ohio State obviously they're going to win the Big Ten we don't want you to ask answer that but um Therefore, they're in the college football playoff. Give me your college football playoff. Give me your four. And then how far does Ohio State go? Who are they playing? Well, my four, I'm, I'm on the record at the beginning of the year saying that my four were uh, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama in that order. And I said that Clemson would be undefeated. So I'm already wrong. Um, <laughs> but but I think I'll still go with that four just in a different order. Um, I At the moment, I would put maybe Ohio State third uh, behind Georgia and Alabama. And, and I do think Ohio State is, is better offensively than Georgia and potentially better offensively than Alabama. But those two teams' defenses are nasty. And Ohio State's defense maybe has the potential to be, but is not yet. So that's, that's what's giving me pause a little bit. But I think Ohio State's better than Clemson kind of maybe across the board outside of quarterback, which is still up in the air. But um, I think it's, you know, it's out for, for as much as, as clear-cut as it can be after week one, I think it's Alabama and Georgia – and then like everybody else, but Ohio state is like risen above that, that pool with Clemson and probably like Oklahoma. Gotcha. There's, there's a, there's a world where, you know, Jeff Halfley and Ryan day are playing in the playing each other in the, in the playoff. I think that's, that's a real positive uh, potential scenario. What do you think of that? Are you saying Boston college is going to win the ACC? That is what I'm saying. Oh, I didn't know if like Jeff Halfley was going to like switch jobs and go to Georgia or something. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I'd love it to happen because that means we'd see finally a new team in the college football playoff. But uh, I don't, I don't think Boston college is built for that life. So is there a better chance that uh, Alabama repeats this year or that there's a new four, a totally new four? Yeah. Not, I mean like a, to- I mean like not Georgia. Um, Probably a better chance that Alabama repeats. Oh, isn't that crazy? Oh, yeah, I, don't think I mean, Clemson it's boring. I don't think Clemson gets in. I, 
I can get on board with that. I, there are people who thought that before the season started. I, I didn't think that was a particularly spicy take then, and certainly doesn't seem like that now with the way that they played against Georgia. They couldn't block anybody. That offensive line is not very good, and and frankly, like hasn't been very good since George since Clemson's like been on this run. And it feels like maybe it's starting to catch up with them because Ohio State kind of whooped them last year up, up front too in that Sugar Bowl game. How about when Dabo said that he would consider retiring or quitting or whatever if players got paid? I mean, he hasn't done that yet. Well, you could argue with the way they played them. Maybe he has. <laughs> Love Dabo. Big, big fan of his. Yeah, you and every other Ohio State fan. <laughs> Joey, we know how – or Joey, you know what to do. Bill, you know – you better expect what's about to be coming. You better have come prepared. I did not, but hit me with it. Um. What you, questions do you have you for pick? Andrew or <laughs> Oh, questions for you guys. Okay, sorry. I thought you were going <laughs> to uh, ask me to make a pick for the game. Um, oh, okay. I'm less prepared to ask. I'm less prepared to ask you guys questions. Um, let's see. Does it have to be about Ohio State? About anything. Life. Great, because I'm looking for new stuff. To, I'm looking for new stuff to watch. Every time I sit down and say I'm going to watch a new show, I just like watch something that I've seen ten times already. Have you watched The Office? Uh, and, yeah, the, the, the meaning I've watched The Office forty-five times. Um, and I outside of don't don't give me Ted Lasso because I don't want to watch Ted Lasso either. What what should I be firing up on on the streaming service of choice to watch as a new show to get into? I, I can I can answer first. Have you have you done Veep yet? Because I'm watching Veep right now. I have not done Veep. No. Oh, Veep. Veep and Curb Your Enthusiasm are cut from the same cloth, and they're both really funny. They're great, but I'm watching Veep right now, and it's it's hilarious. Every episode is fantastic. Nice. I'll check out Veep. What do you got, Joey? Uh, I'm on record as not a big TV guy. So I'll what? See. Yeah, I don't. I just don't. I mean, like, I don't know. If I have free time, I feel like I am. Are you in the gym? In the lab? No, working. Not. time is far away. <laughs> I play Tuesday nights in a men's league, and as soon as the game ends, I don't even take off my shoes. I just like <laughs> get out of there. Um, but no, I if I I'm like I I watch a lot of YouTube videos, and I watch like I'm I'm weird. I watch streaming like as in get video games, <laughs> guys streaming video games and stuff. So I'm kind of I'm kind of a nerd like that. I don't really have a TV show that I'm watching right now. Usually I have like at least one, but I do love. Like I'll always go back and watch like a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode or like a New Girl episode or oh. an episode. You don't like New Girl? I hate you? New Girl. Oh, yeah, I fell out of love with New Girl. I I watched like the first four seasons, I think, pretty religiously, Dang. then stopped. Yeah. Oh, I just <laughs> Nick Miller and Winston. I could watch. I could. That's like my humor. Like that dumb humor. Like I love. I, yeah. Plus, do you do you see yourself in Nick Miller, fellow Chicagoan? I mean, like, kind of. I feel like I'm a little less awkward than him, but beyond <laughs> that, like, yes, everything else about him. Yeah, it's it's okay. But I'll check out Veep, and I th- I've watched a little bit of Curb, but I've not watched like everything up to because they like came back with a new season a couple years ago, right? I didn't. I've not watched yeah, like any done, of the newer stuff. They've done two new, two or three new seasons, and there's another new one coming out in October. But Veep is Veep is such an easy watch too because nice. it's like under thirty minutes. HBO's great. Production's great. Uh, they're kind of like HBO's like the Alabama of of streaming and TV shows. So you you know you're getting a quality product there. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's a good way, good way to to describe HBO. What would that make Netflix? Netflix is Ohio State. Yeah, they're okay. always there. They're always in it. But sometimes the defense is like those Netflix movies that aren't very good. Yeah, but if and every now and then you can convince yourself that like Netflix is better too. Yeah, okay. exactly. Like you could be yeah. like Ozark is the best best original show of them all. Stranger Things is incredible, but then you have to play. Big Mouth. Big Mouth. Good. But oh, then yeah, you have to great. then you have to go up against the Alabamas, and it's like, all right, those aren't as good as Veep. Like yeah. nothing will ever beat Entourage. Oh man, I love Entourage. And I I didn't watch Game of Thrones, but that's like supposed to be the best show ever. So. Just uh, watch Game of Thrones and then don't watch the last season. So what's funny? It's funny you say that. My roommates all watched it religiously, and I, um, the only episode I watched, funny enough, Andrew Dockage was over, and we were like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna watch the last episode." <laughs> of Game of Thrones. 
and just ask questions the whole time. So we're sitting there asking my roommates questions the whole time. We're like, where did this dragon come from? Like, what is like what? Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Oh yeah, yeah. Spoiler. There are dragons in Game of Thrones. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> All right, I got. I'm I'm switching it back up. Last question for you. You inspired it first. Okay. We're ready to come on the show. We've been ready for a year. So you say the word. We're in. Absolutely. And the second thing is score prediction your <laughs> fault your fault you brought it up i know i know I've, i'm upset at myself now uh i was thinking earlier today that like i i might actually pick ohio state to lose but i i've <laughs> i've watched i've watched more of the oregon fresno state game and i really don't think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to play um and if he doesn't play i don't think oregon has a shot so i think the spread and the over under are pretty similar to the minnesota game if i'm not mistaken um so I think I'll pick like a similar kind of score up. I'll, I'll pick Ohio state, uh, 40, 48, uh, Oregon 28. So they cover that's a cover. So you went from maybe picking Ohio state to lose to actually they're going to win and cover. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you didn't bring me on here for logic. <laughs> all, right, all i know is that whatever zolden puts out in a tweet this week about ben i think i'm just gonna take the game going on right now yeah i bet on I yeah bet it's on. nine nothing Ole Miss. It, it's I nine nothing louisville's winning no, no. Ole Miss is winning I, I I parlayed the over and a cover, maybe the classics. My uh, my my podcast co-host Ari Wasserman says that that the play with Ohio State more often than not is waiting for the second half spread because I think he, I think he came he cashed in over the weekend uh, or on Thursday because people panicked when Ohio State was down at halftime and I think he got some pretty good odds there. So that might be the play again this weekend. Yeah, I I went one for ten. My only bet that hit this weekend was I like pulled out of some of my like cryptocurrency investments to pay my, <laughs> my bet. But um, but the only bet that hit was Cincinnati minus twenty two. Go Cincy. Luke Fickle, elite coach. He covers. Elite coach. The he'll be back. Last hot take. He'll be back at Ohio State when uh, Day goes to the NFL. Uh, see, I think disagreeing with that is more of a hot take than saying that. <laughs> so what if this would be this would be spicy if harbaugh gets fired well fickle goes to michigan but then, then day the next year no chance. takes an nfl job and then fickle leaves michigan for ohio state no that would be hilarious but there's no shot luke fickle coaches michigan but what if luke fickle went to michigan like to lose like that would just be on so purpose good. yeah just to like, tank michigan so yeah. iconic if he has like a double agent like a ten million dollar buyout, and he like goes zero and twelve in the first year. Like that would just be unbelievable. I don't know if he has that. I don't know. It'd be pretty diabolical. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if Luke is diabolical. Just, I think Michigan's good this year. By the way, just putting it out there. They lost their best player, Andrew. They did just lose their best player, but they looked. Uh, they looked but organized. Football's and less important. You don't need your best player. That's right. That's true. I mean, okay. I, I think if that would be a big hit to Ohio State. Yeah. Plus, Michigan doesn't recruit nearly as well as Ohio State does. They're not as deep. Exactly. So Yeah, it's a tough loss for them. I saw Hunter Dickinson tweeted, this is the year we beat Ohio State after we won by 14. (laughs) Like, this is the year we beat Ohio State. And then they did look really good until until Ronnie Bell, which that sucks. A lot of legends going down this week. But That's right, yeah. Bad week for the Big Ten. Big game for Michigan on Saturday, though. They play, they play Washington. Although Washington stinks. They just lost to Montana, so maybe not. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Two, two potential – I mean, not potential. Two, like, probably locked all Big Ten players are out for the season, which sucks. Yeah, Mo Ibrahim for sure. I think he was the best running back in the conference, yeah. at, least, at least coming in. And Ronnie Bell, uh, I don't know. He wouldn't have been first team all Big Ten, but he's, he's a really good yeah. player in his own right, yeah. Well, is it possible that the first team all Big Ten receivers are all Ohio State players? Uh huh, 100%. Yeah, I forget how many they pick. I, they might only pick two. Okay, well, if it's only two, then yeah. But if it's three, if it's three, it'd probably be those two and David Bell from Purdue. But I think it might only be two. And if it's only two, I think it'd be Olave and Wilson. David sure. Bell, not to be confused with former Ohio State center David Bell. Very similar, very similar players, but yeah, not not the same person. <laughs> Uh, You should watch season two of Ted Lasso. It's great. All right. I'll watch it. Fine. And and, and I've never watched Jack. Twitter Jack is coming for you if you don't. 
I got to keep that blue check mark, so I'll watch it. Yeah, do you have any pull for us to get a blue check mark? I don't, even, I, I don't know how I ended up with mine, to be honest. I've had it for like eight years, and I just it just like showed up one day. I didn't even ask for it. I've been trying. I It was like a joke my freshman and sophomore year, like trying to get verified, but not like I actually want to be verified. Not it's pretty like, nice. It's nice to be verified. Yeah, just whatever. It's okay. It'll happen one day. I can't believe you're not. I'll, uh, I'll ask the people I know. But have you Well, watch Ted Lasso, step one. And That's then- a good point if I start <laughs> Yeah, you have to tweet loud. This week's episode of Ted Lasso was great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet that right now, actually. All right, Bill. Thank you, man. Uh we are gonna try and get to Columbus for a live show, so you will get a front row seat. I can't wait. Let me know when that happens. All right, sounds good. See you, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, sir. All right, joining us now, James Crepia, who has a big task. James, your job, welcome to the show, is to tell us about Oregon. What do we got to know? Boy, uh, where does it begin? Um, it, you got to know that this is not the Oregon of yesteryear. You know, I know still for a lot of fans out there, uh, particularly those in the Eastern time zone, uh, they, they hear Oregon and they think of still Chip Kelly and the blur and uh, being one of the most prolific, but also one of the fastest offenses in the country. Doesn't mean that they're not prolific on offense. Doesn't mean that they may not employ tempo at times, but you would not describe this as anything close to what Chip Kelly ran uh, offensively and as, or defensively for that matter. Uh, this is a very different brand of Oregon football under Mario Cristobal. So that's first and foremost for fans who just hadn't seen it previously and I know there's certainly some Big Ten fans some Ohio State fans who did uh, you know either they were planning for it last year they saw it when they played against uh, Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago you might have t- tuned in and seen that so I, I get it but that's first and foremost because I know there's there's still you know not everybody is you know a beat reporter watching it every day and seeing it uh, you know and, and especially with Pac-12 network uh, nobody in Big Ten country is, is watching uh, so I, I understand appreciate that like, hey, you know, you haven't picked up on this is not the same, same Oregon as before. So that's first. Uh, second is that yeah, they've they've got a lot of talent, a lot of talent, skill positions in particular, uh, a budding receiver core in that way. Uh, they do have some super seniors at the receiver core, but a lot of the top talent at that position is on the younger side. A lot of the top talent at the running back position is on the more veteran side. Uh, an offensive line that returns all its components. Uh, a change of quarterback, I'm sure we'll get into here in a minute. And defensively, in my opinion, at least from the front seven, uh, and I, I know Derek Stingley Jr. is certainly in the conversation uh, for best defensive player in the country from the cornerback position at LSU. But for my money, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau is the best returning defensive player in the country. Uh, he's the best pass rusher in the country. Uh, and he showed just a glimmer of that on Saturday before this ankle sprain. And uh, frankly, Ohio State fans should hope that he plays. Uh, because to me, as a fan, you you know, especially watching a game like this, and you hadn't had a chance to be at games last much at all last season. You want to see good teams play. You want to see good teams with great players play. And it would be not just disappointing for Oregon fans or the Ducks team uh, if Thibodeau was unable to play. It should be disappointing to anybody who's hoping to see the game, whether you're going or watching at home, if he's unable to go. And, and indications right now are that it's day-to-day, and we'll see. But you should be hoping for him to play. <laughs> He's one of, not only one of the best players on the team, he's, he's one of the best players in the sport. You should hope to be able to watch that. Uh, and that's just kind of where it starts. Uh, again, a very talented team, but a very different team than an Oregon team from years ago, for sure. And and we won't lie. We'll be upfront and very honest with you. We know very little about Oregon. That's just a matter of fact. Um, and But we do know Thibodeau. We know that he's a stud. We know that he, like you said, is one of the best returning players offense or defense in the entire country. Can you give us a few other names that we should be on the lookout for, but also um, some of the other fans who don't have Pac-12 network and weren't able to watch them this week? Well, certainly it starts with him, but just sticking with the defense for a moment, two names you're going to hear at nauseam, whether Thibodeau plays or not. Uh, Two names you're going to hear at nauseam are Noah Sewell and Justin Flo, the two starting inside linebackers. That was the number one and number two inside linebackers in the class of 2020. Uh, Flo was a top 10 overall recruit. Sewell was not far behind. 
Uh, first time since USC did it in the early 2000s. I want to say it was like 2002, maybe 2004, somewhere in there. Uh, but early 2000s that any team in the country had signed the top two ranked inside linebacker uh, recruits in the country in the same team, same class. Uh, and that's what Oregon got together. And you saw that last year with Noah Sewell, uh, the only freshman All-American out of the Pac-12. Uh, he is, and again, the short you know, season and, and screwed up season that the Pac-12 had, he still managed to accomplish that. Tied for the team lead, uh, lead and tackles. Uh, basically started every game. Didn't start the opener technically, but played more of it than, than the guy who ended up starting and who just got hurt actually this past weekend. Uh, and started over Justin Flo. Flo takes over, has 14 tackles this week. Uh, I believe was one of the highest graded players in pro football focus, uh, not just for Oregon, but uh, in general. Uh, 14 tackles, uh, 13 of them coming after he came in uh, for Drew Mathis, like I say, injured his leg. That accounted for one quarter of Fresno State's plays. One quarter of the plays he made a tackle. And the most impressive being that he forced the fumble late, the fourth uh, fumble that Oregon forced against Fresno State, the last one, uh, that led the points as well. So they scored, they recovered on three fumbles, they led the uh, 17 points. And that really uh, helped in a big way at the end. And they both hit like freight trains. They both come downhill with just an absolute head full of steam. So in terms of the front seven, Thibodeau, five-star, number one overall recruit. Sewell and Flo, five-star, number one, number two inside linebacker recruits. Mace Funa, four-star off the other edge, uh, former four-star recruit and a third-year player as well. Uh uh, Braden Swinson or an Adrian Jackson start getting a little bit lower off the edge. Uh, Brandon Sorless, a name you'll hear a lot, uh, was a guy who was heralded from Pro Football Focus this week nationally uh, for Oregon. He was actually the top-rated player uh, this past week, even when, particularly when uh, Thibodeau went down. Former three-star, played more basketball than football, and he has turned into a major player for this defensive front major player and incredibly versatile as a defensive lineman can play anywhere from nose all the way out to five or six uh, along the line. So that's where it starts in the front seven. And that's not to look past some other guys either in the secondary or whatever, but I want to talk about big names, the names that Ohio State fans will certainly be hearing a lot of on Saturday. Uh, it starts with Thibodeau, gets the two inside backers. Offensively, obviously you got to start with quarterback anywhere with Anthony Brown Jr. And then at running back with CJ Verdell. Uh, he is the engine that leads this offense and has been, will continue to be. I'm not saying that they're not going to put the ball in the air or anything. They are, and they do have talent at the receiver group. But when rubber met the road and uh, when the chips are down, they turn to their old reliable, and that is C.J. Verdell. When he gets a head full of steam and they are intent on blocking for him uh, with determination, yeah, he's a hard, hard young man to slow down. Uh, the key for him throughout his career has just been durability and keeping him on the field. And only at the end of last season did he miss games start to finish uh, due to injury. And that was due to a freak uh, thumb injury he suffered early in the year. But he played through it for three weeks. He's played through just an unbelievable list of injuries. Tough as nails. Runs with just reckless abandon. You'll hear his name a lot uh, on offense for Oregon. Fast forward to, you know, Saturday night. Oregon wins. What do you think would be the reason that that happens? What are some of the stats that we would potentially see, some of the big playmakers that we would see in the event that Oregon were to win this game? If Oregon's going to win this game, uh, to me, it's going to have to control uh, the ground game both ways. I think Verdell's going to have to top. If they're going to win, they're going to need Verdell to top 100. I don't know, about 150 or 200 is outrageous. Uh, but they're going to need to top 100, I think. Starts there. Uh, I think they're going to whoever the lead running back is for Ohio State, and I know there's three candidates for that possibility. Uh, but whoever the lead rusher is is going to have to probably be held under 100. So I think it starts there. Um, I don't know if if Oregon is going to win on the road in a building that is wildly larger and louder than any building in the Pac-12. Uh, and in any environment that any of the Oregon players have ever played in. I don't know if they can ask the passing game. And this is not a knock on Oregon's receivers or, or Anthony Brown Jr. To be clear. I think they can, they, they can win games with them with a ground game that is just 
solid as a whole. I don't know if they can win it against Ohio State in Ohio Stadium without that being the first pillar. That's first. Second, I don't know what the exact stat line is going to have to be for Ohio State's various receivers uh, and Jeremy Ruckert, for that matter, at tight end. All I know is is they cannot have – they cannot afford more, more than one. One, I'll give any team in America one with that many weapons. One nameplate play. And when I say nameplate, I mean taillights, either you got blown over the top <laughs> or, you know, Wilson, Alave, Ruckert, somebody just jukes you out of your shoes and now you're chasing him from behind and all you see is nameplate. I'll give anyone in America one of those against a team this loaded. Oregon can't afford more than one of those. If you tell me that Ohio State has more than – has two or more below the top off the coverage or – like I say, Wilson just shakes everyone sideways. So that's 14. I don't know if, if Oregon can, on the road, handle the swings that come with those plays. Because you're probably talking about 40-plus yard, huge chunk, touchdown, 110,000 going bananas plays. I don't know if Oregon can do that right now. I'll give anyone one but I don't know about two. So if they can keep the lid on, comparatively speaking, uh, particularly on Wilson and Ruckert, and that's not to look past a lot. Of it. Just, I'm talking more about where they may have greater issues <laughs> because they feel very good about their outside corner, but you can only match him up against one guy at a time. Yeah. So that's why I say I think it starts on the ground, and it gets to just keeping a relative lid on things. Anybody could just point to, oh, win the ter- turnover margin by a grotesque margin. Well, thank you. Thank you for that insight. Um, I mean, anybody could, could go to that. Yeah, sure, win the turnover margin. I think, yes, thank you. But I think they could lose I, I think they could lose a game where they win the turnover margin by one. I think they could win a game where they lose the turnover margin by one. And that goes from either side, by the way. So that's why I say, like, you know, I, 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 win the turnover margin by three, you win. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, no, no kidding. No, I don't think they have to do that in a more rational sense. Round game both ways. Like I say, just keep keep Ohio State's game breakers in relative check. So let me ask you this, James. Uh, one thing that we discussed already, one thing that we think is working against Oregon winning the game is the 12 noon Eastern time kickoff. Is that just not fair to have Oregon playing it their bodies thinks it's nine in the morning. No, co- I mean, we already talked about this, but no college kid operates at nine o'clock in the morning. Yes and no. Um, Mario Cristobal and the players, they're not going to make a thing. Now, that said, if we're 9 a.m. Pacific here, that'd be, that'd be a bigger problem. Uh, one, they would actually have to get uh, clearance to do that, and Oregon's not going to do that. Um, and that's not necessarily a coach or player thing though it kind of is it's more that the majority of the fan base uh, who comes in comes in from portland and you're not going to kick off at 9 a.m pacific when people would have to leave their house at you know like five o'clock in the morning um so that's just that's why that's not going to happen locally but i'd ask mario about it over the summer i'd ask rob mullins about it over the summer administratively they're not happy competitively speaking and rob had said this was not part of what was discussed. Not with Ohio State and not with Fox and or ESPN, who was probably part of the conversation as well. When they came up with the series originally, and obviously they came up with the series many years ago, well before COVID, that's, that's for sure. Um, they had, you know, and oh, well, hey, Fox is obviously going to air Mets Yankees 20th anniversary of 9 11 in prime time. But duh. Yeah, no, you're right. They didn't know that at the time. Of course they did. They knew that that was a possibility. They acknowledged that. Now, the Michigan and Washington series getting scheduled a little bit subsequently, did it change things? I guess if you're on the TV network side, you say it could have changed an equation a little bit. Having said that, uh, I still don't understand why it ended up being this way, uh, to be quite honest. But I don't think – to, to the premise of your question, is it fair – 
I don't get into fair or not fair. If, if, if the coach says he don't care and the player is just like, eh, whatever, then so be it. Administratively, I get why they're not happy. Because again, this, they still have to appeal to a fan base back home who's, you know, they're not a kegs and eggs crowd out here. Yeah. Um, so that's that's just part of it. Now, to your point of, oh, well, college kids don't get up at that hour. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe not the kids in Bio 101, uh, you know, in Independence Hall at Ohio State, but, you know, this football team is on the practice field at 845. You know, so that's just the way it goes, man. Like these guys are used to practicing at that hour. They're in the facility. A lot of them are in the facility. They're putting in their own time or what have you at six and seven in the morning. So the idea of going through it at that hour for them, quite honestly, it's just not that unusual. They played a game at not, uh, 11 a.m. local here this past week. Yeah, it's a two hour difference. I'm not saying it's nothing, but they played a game at 11 a.m. local. They're up early and practicing anyway. It's And they're going to be traveling out on Thursday to just get body clocks adjusted a little bit earlier. They're not presently in class because they're still a quarter system. So from that sense, I think mountain out of a molehill from that particular perspective. That said, would it, would it, if you had to ask them their druthers, would they rather the game have been at 3.30 or 7 o'clock? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I, I just don't want to gloss over the fact that I think that the football players are not up that early. I know that collegiate athletes are up and at it. That's I don't want to poo-poo that. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. I think it's a great opportunity for some of the players to snag some like Red Bull five hour energy sponsorships. Like, Hey, we're up at for the early game, drinking our Red Bull. You guys should be up drinking them too. Back, back up. Hey, if, I mean, if that's, let's put it this way. If they pull off the win, that, that, that would be, uh, you know, hey, <laughs> uh, far, far be for me to be the one to broker any NIL deals or any suggestions for them. But yeah, you know, the, the early morning energy uh, kick. Yeah. You got, you certainly got a point. There's certain, there's something to be said there, but nah, I mean, ultimately, man, like I say that they're, they're up early, they're up early ordinarily. They do practice year round at that hour. They just do. Um, they're, they're on the field somewhere, you know, the first guys are usually trotting out there at 845 um, Pacific. So again, they're in the facility. They're going through, you know, tape and training and all that stuff earlier on. So yeah, again, not, if you had to ask them, would they rather be in prime time? Yeah, absolutely. Having said all of these things, uh, counterpoint. Yeah. It's a large building and there's that many people, but Ohio state fans are still having to show up at a noon game for what is a premier game. Uh, you know, I'm old enough to remember, you know, the Ohio State Michigan game being played at noon and the student body not being happy about that because it meant not enough time to tailgate and enjoy things in the morning. So, you know, I know I that, say that noon, noon be... kicks aren't exactly a favorite for, for Buckeyes fans either. I, I, I would uh, I would wager a fair margin, fair, fair, fair. Yeah, I, it'll be it'll be packed. Obviously, it's just a little bit different circumstances. It's just a wee bit louder. Yeah, in the evening. Yeah. How, uh, how do how do Oregon fans travel? Will it be will it be green at all in the shoe? Oh yeah, yeah. No, this this fan base travels. Uh, I had this question come up before the 2019 season opener in Dallas, uh, Oregon, and Auburn, and the Auburn fan base travels really well. Really well. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and yeah, of course, geographically, they're quote unquote closer to Dallas, uh, than Oregon, but many of them flew, not everybody just drove. It's not around the corner from, you know, Eastern Alabama to, to Dallas. It's a, it's a decent little haul. Plenty of them flew Oregon fans traveled and that building. I told people ahead of time, they wouldn't believe me. I go, no, this is going to be like worst case scenario. I think it's going to be 60, 40. I honestly think it's probably going to be like 55, 45 Auburn fans, but this is going to be a really good showing folks. Like this fan base travels. Uh, and they had a lot of reason to believe, obviously, heading into that season with Justin Herbert and everything. And lo and behold, yeah, that building was like a 55-45 split. Yeah, Auburn had more people there. But Oregon fans traveled in abundance. They traveled well. Um, I do think there will be a significant number of Oregon fans who travel. Having said that, you know, it's still – it's not the most ideal conditions – you know, it's, it's still good. It's still a game that a lot of people are looking forward to. They're looking forward to the game here this past year. Uh, but for as many people as who will travel, it is still something where naturally everywhere. I mean, look, you could say, were people going to travel to Atlanta for Ole Miss and Louisville tonight? I and mean, that stadium is pretty empty. 
And, you know, so now again, this is a top 10 matchup. This is a different deal. I understand this is on campus and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not exactly, you know, Atlanta is not a big hall from either Oxford or Louisville and MDS is pretty empty tonight. So, you know, it, it's just not ideal conditions for the situation. Having said that, yes, the fan base will travel. Yes, a good number of them will be there. And a lot of them want to go to, to Big Ten cities and markets that they haven't been to before. And this is one of them for a lot of people. They haven't been to Columbus. Got a lot of questions from people asking me where the best spots are to, to eat or drink or whatever the case is. And uh, I'm sure many of them who I still know or I hope many of them are still in business. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's there's, there's a lot of people certainly looking forward to it. All right, James, before we let you go, and we appreciate the, uh, the lesson on Oregon, um, got to ask you for a prediction. Uh, who's taking it home and give us a score? So, uh, and it's early in the week. Um, I, I do reserve the right to, to some <laughs> adjustment, especially when we have a, a situation where we don't know definitively uh, whether or not Kayvon Thibodeau is going to play. So he is such an X factor for them uh, that there's just – uh, you know, it's hard to project right now. Having said that, my early week prediction uh, is Ohio State 38-24. Having said that, having said that, uh, I could ve- – let's put it this way. If I see Kayvon Thibodeau trotting off the practice field in full gear each of the next two days and Mario comes out after practice on Wednesday, he's like, yeah, he's fine. Uh, that score is adjusting. It's adjusting and it's adjusting on both teams because – if it's not a, if it's not as high scoring as right now I'm projecting, then it's probably not as high scoring for both teams uh, because there's not going to be as many possessions both ways. So that's what I say. I, I reserve the right to some degree of adjustment, and I know that that's up against the line. And I'm not. Uh, I, I don't get into whether or not I'm picking the spread one way or another. I know it's right up on towing the 14, 13 and a half, depending on where you see it. But yeah, I I do think Ohio State wins. Uh, I do think they win by more than one score. But if, you know, over the next couple of days, some personnel things, you know, work in Oregon's favor, because look, Ohio State's down at stop two corners, and I want clarity from Ryan Day if I can get it <laughs> as to what's going on with seven banks. If you tell me that he's absolutely out uh, and Oregon's receiving core gets to go up against a secondary that got gutted by Alabama, uh, and is still down some top players, well, then you know, I think this game could play out a little bit differently. But I, regardless, I do think Ohio State wins the game. I just think they are right now a more talented team top to bottom. But I don't think that that divide is enormous. I don't think Oregon is going to be embarrassed. I just think that Ohio State is the better team right now. Fair enough. Where can people find you to get all their Oregon info this week leading up to the game? I know you got a few different outlets and shows and and places that you're working for and and rocking and rolling for right now. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, it's at the Oregonian and uh, Oregon Live. You go to OregonLive.com, just like Cleveland.com is our sister property. I think we're bouncing each other's content around a little bit this week too. Uh, so when in doubt, always start with cleveland.com, quite frankly, uh, because I'm sure that they're probably sharing some of my stuff as we're sharing some of their stuff. Uh, but Oregon Live for sure. That's where everything that I do is. Uh, follow me on Twitter at James Preppia, that's C-R-E-P-E-A. And you can follow my work and I tweet everything out there. And also I have my uh, afternoon radio show or for East Coast folks, my evening radio show. Uh, from <laughs> What's uh, 7 to 9 Eastern time, Pacific uh, yeah. seven to nine PM Eastern time. There we go. Uh, and actually just had Douglas Maurice on, uh, today. So and we'll have on somebody from the Ohio state beat, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday as well. And then I head off to Columbus and, and the rest. So yes, it'll be a, a very busy week, but, uh, appreciate you guys for, uh, for the opportunity to come on here for a little bit and chat a little bit about the game. Absolutely. Appreciate you coming on, man. This was great. We're, we're much more knowledgeable on Oregon now. I tell you that. That's for sure. Try. Awesome. Thanks, James. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. We hope you guys enjoyed those interviews, but we know you won't enjoy them as much as you'll enjoy Ohio State's win this weekend against Oregon. The streak continues undefeated in the regular season since we started Drive the Lane. Lock in the Zolden parlay, which is Browns, Mizzou, Ohio State money line, and enjoy your extra $200 next week.
Uh, one last thing that I want to say, and, and not that anybody's really even listening to this, but our good friend Mark Titus has a live show on Friday in Columbus at the Varsity Club. Um, if you are in Columbus and can't attend, I will be there. Uh, come say what's up to me. Come tell Mark that the reason why you're there is because you heard it on Drive It Lane. He'll think that's hilarious. Um, but that should be a lot of fun. So come check us out there. Uh, and t- tweet me and Andrew where your tailgate spots are because eventually Andrew's going to be in Columbus and we'll come stop by all everybody's tailgates and just just rip shots of whatever with you guys. <laughs> yes. Oh, you're finally willing to say stuff like that on the show. A few years ago, you were still too close to the program that you wouldn't have said. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's tough. Like, I, if I'm going to the basketball tailgate, probably shouldn't have, like, I shouldn't be, like, four shots deep, but we'll see. So, um, but, yeah, if you when you see us around, like, say what's up. We're going to be out and about in Columbus. Look out for our live show. We may have locked in a spot. When I say locked in, we have focused in on a spot. Um, so, should be fun. Um, hoping for a good game this Saturday, obviously, as Andrew alluded to, trying to stay undefeated as Drive the Lane co-hosts in the regular season. And, um, yeah, I, is it basketball season yet? It's not basketball season. It's football season. Buckle up and drive the lane. Go Buckeyes.